Welcome to the Sermon of the Week at New Hope Community Church. We hope that you're blessed and encounter God's presence as you listen to this message. Good morning. <laughs> well, I'm excited to share with you. It's been a long time. I forget if what we figured out, how long it's been since I spoke, maybe at least six months, yeah. But um, I want to kind of tag team off what Steve had been sharing the last week, the last couple weeks about royalty. He spoke about royalty and, and our identity as empowered believers in the new covenant. And um, I'm just going to kind of share with you some thoughts, some ponderings, some processing I've, I've had recently. And I'll kind of start off with just sharing that when um, a few, a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago or so, uh, we have this little children's book that we read to Juliet sometimes in her room, and it's this book about, you know, you can be messy or you can be neat. You can be pokey or fast on your feet. <laughs> you can march with the others or to your own beat. God loves you just the way you are. wasn't planning to cry, <laughs> but I think sometimes that makes so much sense to us as little kids, and we sing that little tune, God loves you just the way you are, and we sing it to our kids, and we read them those Bible stories and those nursery rhymes, but then when we grow up and we get involved in whether it's religion or Christianity or some other form of you know, having to do and go be an adult and perform and work, and suddenly we don't quite believe that at our core anymore, that we really are good enough and that God really does love us just the way we are. And so Jonathan read her this story one night, like a week or so ago, and he felt like he had to reconnect with her a little bit because um, he just had felt a little distant, and so he read this story, and then he, you know, looks at her in his eyes and says, Daddy loves you just the way you are. And he gives her a hug like he does every night, and she wouldn't let go. She just kept hugging and hugging, and she needed that affirmation of her daddy to say, God, or not just God, but Daddy loves you just the way you are. And I just thought that was the sweetest thing that I think God wants to do that for some of us this morning. That he wants to just speak to your spirit and say, Daddy God loves you just the way you are. And give you a big daddy hug. Because whether we realized it or not, we forget that. We forget that that's true. And some of, some of you may even be sitting there going, you know, thinking your mind is kind of taking over, thinking about the yeah buts. And I even Googled that little phrase, God loves you just the way you are, because I was trying to remember the, the nursery rhyme. I think there's some kind of rhyme to it. And I come up with all these art Christian articles that say, well, th that phrase is actually kind of dangerous, and it's not entirely true. <laughs> and I'm like, really? You know, and they're talking about, you know, God, there's still, you still have to repent for your sin. And um, repentance is important, and all these things about how it's not true that God really loves you just the way you are. And I said, well, if we still have those yeah buts, 
we're, we haven't received the fullness of God's love. And I want to propose to you, you may be limiting God's love in your life if you have any yeah buts about God loves you just the way you are. And so one yeah but might be, yeah, but God doesn't love my sin. Of course not, because your sin is not you. You are not your sin. God doesn't love your sin. God loves you just the way you are. And you are not your sin. Yeah, but I, I have to crucify my flesh. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Religion says you're not good enough right now. You have to repent, you have to crucify your flesh, you have to perform, you have to, to do and in order to be. And so it might not be that clear of a message, but in the structure of what we hear or what the structure of religion, often we get that message imprinted on us. And before we realize it, we stop believing the simplicity of the truth that God just plain loves us. And we don't have to do anything. And of course, we go through process and we go through discipline and we go through learning and growth. But there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And I think when I learned that truth, that there really is no condemnation for me in Christ, it actually allowed me to go through those processes and those learning and discipline yeah. times a lot easier right. because I could actually receive and hear from his heart instead of hiding in shame. And I want to just share with you one of those times as I was writing this message. I'm going to kind of jump around in my notes a little bit, so if it's a little shaky, just bear with me. But... I, I found this article from like seven or eight years ago in my computer as I was just looking through my messages, praying about what to share with you this morning. And this article came up called um, Icky Places. And it was for like a blog that I never really launched, but I was just kind of journaling and writing. And I wrote this sort of story out. And I want to just, I'm going to read it to you or share it with you because it has to do with that process that we go through with God, where God puts his finger on something in our life and it doesn't feel so good. But yet if we can walk through it with that understanding and knowing that he loves us and there's no condemnation for us, we can actually get tremendous growth out of those processes. And so at this point in my life, years ago, I didn't have a date on it, but I know it was like pre-kids, so at least like six years ago, I was at a conference, I think it was at Bethel, and it was a sold-out conference, and I really felt like I, there was this one session on like sex trafficking and identity that I had to be there for, um, and I missed the cutoff to sign up. I was visiting um, at that time, um, and at that, of course, even then, it was busy, 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 like their conferences now sell out like probably in a day or two, and it's hard to get in. And so I was praying, and I, I felt like God really told me, I want you to be at this session. I want you to go. And so I was like, maybe I'll, I'll speak to the person in charge, and maybe there's a volunteer opportunity. I can volunteer and serve and just come for you know, the rest of the event or this session. And so I asked several people to volunteer. And the woman who was, um, I talked to one woman at a table and said, I'd, I'd really love, to, is there any place I can volunteer? And she just kind of said, no, I'm, I have all the staff I need. Thank you so much. Um, but the conference is sold out. I don't have a seat for you. 
And I was like, at that time, I was really bad at taking no for an answer. <laughs> I probably, I am still, if you ask my husband. Um, but I, I'm standing there, and I'm, I can see, you know, the session going on before the one I felt like I should be at, and, and it's right there. It's like at my fingertips, but she's saying, no, you can't go in. I don't have a seat for you. It's, it's sold out. I'm sorry, ma'am. And I, in my heart, I was like, okay, well... Maybe there's another way God has. Maybe there's someone else that can let me in. Maybe, you know, I feel like he wants me to be here. So I kind of just, you know, stand in the back, and, and there's all these seats, and I'm like, you know, maybe at another point in my life I would have just sat down and pretended to hide, and, but I was like, no, I'm going to do this honorably. I'm going to make sure I get permission. I'm not going to, you know, cheat or lie or anything like that. And so I see another volunteer, another worker of the conference, and I ask him, is there any volunteer opportunities where I could come and be a part of the session? Can I serve? He says, oh, I don't know. Let me go uh, find out for you. And he goes and talks to the woman I just talked to. <laughs> and, and she looks at me, you know, talking to him and goes, I already spoke with her. We had that conversation. I need to talk to you about something else. And that sinking feeling comes over me, that shame, that embarrassment, that like, oh, now she really doesn't like me. <laughs> now I'm really not going to get into this session. And I just want to curl up, crawl up, and hide. And it's that icky feeling, that icky place in your heart that you realize, oh, man, something's wrong here. That shame. It's like that sinking, icky feeling. And... So I said, okay, I'm just, I said, I got to go pray. This is, this is, I probably missed my opportunity at this point. <laughs> so I went into the prayer room and I started praying. I said, God, I don't feel like I, I did anything wrong. I was honorable. I was asking permission. You know, what did I do? And he spoke to me very clearly. He said, you dishonored her authority. And that was that aha moment. And I said, I realized he's right. That's what that feeling was. My heart knew it had hurt someone, but my brain was rationalizing it, justifying it. And so I, I asked God, so I repented. I, I confessed. Um, and then I asked God, do, do I have to repent to her? I repented to you, so, and that's good, right? Like, do I have to repent to her? And I wrote at this time, it seems obvious as I typed this, but I really didn't want to face her. I'm ashamed. And I will make any rationalization I can to get out of it. I hear him gently say, yes. Oh, but, I've, but my brain goes, you've, you've heard God wrong before. <laughs> and that's true. But I know in my heart that that was him. And so I muster up the courage. And I look in the mirror and I see a courageous woman. I see a woman who will not be rejected but has the power within herself to do the right thing. And so before leaving, I take one more glance at that woman in the mirror and choose her over the scared little voice inside me that wants to hide. Not today. Haha. -ha. These lessons from the Lord are too valuable to pass up cowardly to be the powerless, to the powerless little voice inside me. I decided his lessons are always worth the pain it takes to learn. And they're much easier to learn once I realize that condemnation has no place in my heart because I could have gone into condemnation, I could have gone into shame and been stuck there in that stinky, sinking feeling of shame and taken on condemnation or anger or 
victim, you know, they don't, they're not being gracious, they're not being loving Christians, whatever, and, and made excuses or judged, but instead I went to Father God knowing I feel shame, but I know there's no condemnation, and he's going to show me truth, and I know there's something not quite right maybe in my heart, and I'm going to be open to hear from him what that is. So here I go, walking back. I tell God, okay, I'm scared, right? Because we can be honest with Papa God, and he gets it. He already knows, so why pretend? I know he can handle my honesty. I said, I don't know if I can do this, but I ask him what is required, and I know it is simply humility. The conference is on break. People are buzzing. I see the screen in the conference room, and it reads, you know, the confronting the slave trade, the spirit of sonship, and inside I'm like, that's my message, I have to be there, <laughs> and I have, and I have to be there, but I will do, and I'll do anything to hear that, but I must do something else first, and I see the woman there, she's by herself working on papers, the voice of courage comes up this time instead, it says, now is your chance, don't wait, do it now, this is the perfect opportunity, so I choose assertiveness, I walk up to her, I gently tap her on the back and I say, can I share something with you? And she looks a little bit like she's bracing for something. <laughs> and I blurt out, I realized when I asked the other staff member about volunteering that I dishonored your authority and I need to repent to you for that. I want to ask your forgiveness. I see her guard come down and I feel my words impact her heart in the same place they wounded it. She thanks me for coming to her. In this moment, there's no doubt in my mind that I did the right thing and it feels good. She, feels, she said she feels bad. She can't get me in, and she's been telling everyone the same thing. And I said, thank you so much. I know your job is hard, and I'm sorry for anything I did to make it harder. And I walk away. And I know I will miss the session, but sometimes the lessons are expensive to learn. But the victory is always worth the price. What if this was the lesson or the session that God wanted for me to hear from the beginning? Facing those icky spots in our lives is no fun. Perhaps we're more afraid of that feeling of condemnation that, it, that seems to attack us than we are of that icky place itself. And who among us doesn't want Jesus to wipe away every icky spot and make us clean and new? Of course we want that. But when the moment comes, do we run and hide under fear and shame or pride? Or do we open our hearts to God and choose courage to face our fears? And so today I chose courage, and I challenge you to choose courage too. And so I, I thought that was just a very, I guess, good, very basic example of how God deals with us and our shame and our icky places and grows us. And it was like this, and I honestly didn't even remember. I'm reading it last night going like, what did I do? What happened next? Because <laughs> I, I, I honestly didn't even remember this. I had like this vague memory of it, but it's not even who I am anymore. So I'm reading it like, it, like I had never, like I didn't even write it myself <laughs> but I wanted to share it with you because it's it's kind of how it's a, like a glimpse into my process with God and how we process together in knowing that I'm good with him like we he has no condemnation for me and so I can go to him in honesty and truth in vulnerability and openness and share and say hey I'm struggling with this and when I feel that sinking feeling or when I feel that like warmth of shame or condemnation and it's a, like a visceral feeling sometimes it's so powerful in our soul that it actually shows up in our body and we feel it physically or we can be tormented by it 
um, even having nightmares or night terrors. And there's all kinds of ways it can show up in our life, and we like to just kind of shove it away. And, and we like to hide those icky places in our hearts from each other, right? Because we're in this culture where you have to be Christians and perfect and loving and kind and all the time, right? And that's exhausting. And we put on our mask and we go, yes, it's, this is who I am. And I'm going to show you the best version. Or whether it's social media, I'm going to give you the highlight reel of my life and show you the best version of myself. But we hide the icky places. And so... It's that standard that religion puts over us. Like, you, you have to measure up. And many of us may feel like, I don't measure up, or I at least, I'm good enough here, but I'm not good enough here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just pretend like that's not there, or that I don't want other people to see those mistakes, right? So shame tells you there's something wrong with you, that you're the problem, that you have problems, that you're defective, and that people can't really love you. Those are the lies that cycle when you have shame, that you're not good enough, but it's not just you're not good enough, that you're actually the problem. It's not the sin. The truth is, what you believe is the problem. You are not the problem, but shame tells you you're the problem and you have to hide because if you show people, they'll reject you. They won't love you. So the spirit of fear tormented me for years and years. Most of my life I've battled that. I've battled the spirit of rejection and fear. And for years growing up as, as a young girl, going through school, middle school, high school, I believed I'm not good enough, I'm not funny enough, I'm not popular enough, I'm not X, Y, Z, and I wish people would love me. And there was such a shame about who I was that I, was, that I would try to be anyone or someone that, that you would love. If I can be funnier, if I can be prettier, if I can be happier, if I can be more, more popular, then maybe you'll love me. And I had such a shame over who I was, I didn't know who I was. And it was this constant fear. And I would walk into a room of people and feel anxiety, like, what are they going to think about me? What are they, how are they judging me? They're going to reject me. And it really was a spirit of fear that attached to wounds in my heart that spoke to me and said, people will reject you. They won't like you. And that voice was playing in my head over and over again. And I went through lots of process with God to get to where I am now. And what I realized is that this message of, of God loves you just the way you are is so simple, and yet it's so profound. It's so simple and, and basic that we have it in children's stories, and yet it sometimes takes a lifetime to really learn. And we can battle with this for decades as adults. Right. Ephesians 4.22 says, put, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. You see, God has a name for you God has an identity for you, and hell has one too. And that old self that died with Christ, that is hidden with God, where our new self is hidden with God, our old self has been crucified and has died. The old self doesn't exist anymore. And Ephesians says, put off the old self, 
which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on your new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. And so what I've learned is that we have an old self that's died and we have a new self that God says, put that on and renew your mind so that that's who you become. That's who you are because that's who he sees us as. That's how he relates to us. He doesn't relate to us through our old self. He relates to us and he loves us and he sees us the way he created us originally in our new self. So there's an old Karen. The old Karen is the fearful Karen. It's scared and when she gets scared, she gets controlling and she gets overanalytical and she gets anxious and insecure and filled with self-doubt and then she starts to hide or get ashamed. That's the old Karen. We have different selves. That's what Ephesians talking about. And Paul's saying, put off that old self because that's not who you are. The new Karen is the fun Karen. That's what I decided recently. <laughs> the new Karen is very playful and free. That's who I am. That's who God created me to be. In fact, I kind of see myself a lot in Juliet. And if you know Juliet at all, she's just a bubble of little blubber and joy who bounces all over the place without a care in the world. And in my true childlike self, I think that's kind of, I think that's me. And if you know Hannah, she models Jonathan quite a bit. <laughs> They're both very smart and stubborn. <laughs> just kidding. And so the Juliet, if you ever see them interact, gets to poke at Hannah and touch her toys and reach her little finger out and pretend to touch her. And Hannah goes, stop it! <laughs> and Juliet gets a little smirk on her face but doesn't move her finger. That's the playful... Karen, I get to play. The playful Karen is fearless and free. The playful Karen is passionate and courageous and bold. So I get to choose who I want to be. And I get to do it, and I get to also process with God when I see scared, fearful Karen show up. Just kind of like I read to you my process before. And the old Karen would have anxiety when she meets new people. And that spirit of fear would jump on her and tell her, You're gonna, they're going to not like you. They're going to reject you. The new Karen can preach in front of crowds of people because I know who I am now. You see, the old you has a story. It's a story that you've experienced with, in your life. And it's a story you tell yourself. So the old Karen story was that uh, there was something wrong with me. I'm unwanted. People won't like me. I'm rejected. I'll, I have to hide who I am. I carried shame. I hid. I tried to impress people and prove myself. Any area of your life you're trying to prove yourself to others is an area of shame in your life, and you're believing a lie about who you are. I was afraid you'd see my shame, so I would perform and try to do enough in order to be good enough. And I heard, I listened to that voice day after day. They'll reject you. 
And so your mind is actually set up to help you avoid pain. The way your neurology works, everything in your brain is there as a survival mechanism to help you avoid pain. But it's a terrible Holy Spirit. It's a terrible guide. And so we have to learn to follow Holy Spirit. Don't trust your mind, because you can rationalize yourself out of anything. Your mind has the blueprint of your old self. Your mind remembers everything that your old self ever said and ever did in your life. And it will replay those messages and those themes in your life because it remembers. Your brain's main objective is to keep you out of pain. That's actually a survival mechanism. It's meant for you, if you go, you get hurt, take your hand off the stove. If you are in an abusive relationship, you, need, you should get out of it. But your brain will keep you out of pain, and that pain includes the pain of shame. And so your brain is not trustworthy because it remembers everything your old self said or did, and it will remind you of that. So it has blueprints, and some of your blueprints in your mind are so hardwired that you need to take massive courage to confront shame in your life and the destructive patterns in your life. That's why Ephesians says, renew the mind, because your mind still has the old blueprint of your old self. I'm going to read it one more time. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so it really is a battle of the mind. Your brain will tell you you're going to feel pain if you open your heart. You're going to experience shame and rejection, and people will see all your mistakes and all your failures and all your icky places, and that's going to be very painful and uncomfortable for you, so don't do it. That's what your brain will tell you. But John 10, 5 says, My sheep hear my voice, and they know my voice. The voice of a stranger they will not follow. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Sometimes the stranger's voice becomes a familiar spirit. Sometimes we believe the lies of the familiar spirit so much that it becomes a blueprint in our mind. It becomes our story. It becomes our old self, and we become stuck in that. But I'm here to tell you, God loves you, just the way you are. And you are not your old self. You are not your old blueprints. You are not the voices and the lies you hear from day to day in your mind. You are not controlled by those blueprints. There is a way out, but it takes massive courage to do it. You have to be ruthless to confront your icky places. And I'll give you a secret, God is very gentle. God knows your blueprints. He knows the ones that are so hardwired they've become a ditch that you can't get out of. And he will give you assignments. He will set you up to confront those blueprints and destructive patterns because he sees the pain and he doesn't want you in pain. He wants you to live a life fully alive, full of courage. As Steve talked about, if we truly could all live in courage, how much could we change the world? Sometimes we got to get out of our own ruts 
and have the courage to face ourselves, to open up and be vulnerable and transparent in order to be courageous in this world. If we can't be courageous in ourselves, how can we change the world? If we can't face our own icky places, how can we change others? How can we judge others? How can we approach the, the communities that, that are broken, that are rejected in society, that are hurting, if we are hurting in ourselves and we don't have the courage to face our own stuff? I shared about shame and identity in another meeting, and one woman shared her testimony with me afterwards. She said, I was born in the 50s, and... Um, at that time, my mother was unwed, and it, in the 50s, it was much more shameful than it is now to be pregnant and unwed. And so her mother hid her pregnancy. She hid the pregnancy until, you know, she couldn't hide it anymore. And, and so this woman, who is now in her 50s or 60s, um, would hide herself. She would come into a room, and she would hide in the corner. She would hide in every scenario in life. She didn't want to be seen. She, she didn't want people to look at her, and so she would physically and emotionally hide in every area of her life, and she realized through this message that it had its root back in her mother when she carried her in the womb, and that it was because her mother literally hid her, hid her in shame, and it wired her brain and gave her a blueprint of, you need to hide, you should be ashamed of who you are and your very existence, so you just stay in the back corner. And we asked God for a vision of who, you really, who she really was. And she saw her birth. You know, and in those days, the waiting rooms was in the hospital room where the, the husbands or the fathers would be in the waiting room and the mothers would be with the doctors and nurses giving birth. And her mother was giving birth to her in the, the, the room. And in the waiting room, she saw Father God standing at the window, jumping up and down. <laughs> she's almost here, she's almost here, I can't wait to meet my baby girl, and it broke off that spirit of shame and condemnation she'd lived under her whole life, <laughs> what's the new you God wants to show you, what's the new truth of who you are that's going to break off all those icky places and, and ugly blueprints <laughs> that we believe so deeply, that we get so stuck in. For you have died, Colossians 3.3, 3, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The old self doesn't exist anymore. It's only your mind that remembers. It's only the story you replay to yourself over and over and over again, whether you're justifying things, whether you're hiding, whether you're ashamed, whether you're in anger and, and unforgiveness and bitterness. Whatever your apple is, whatever, your, whatever that I'm stuck place is for you, it doesn't exist except in your mind, and you can rewire it and renew the mind. And so the enemy knows your blueprint, and he makes sure you don't forget it. And he sends some spirits to remind you every day. But the voice of another I will not follow. That's good. Yeah. You see, God has a name and an identity for you, 
and hell has one too, and hell will make sure it reminds you day after day after day if you let it. So who are you going to be today? You get to choose. I get to choose. Am I going to be the old Karen that's rejected and frustrated and ashamed or insecure, that, that feels like if I'm out of control, I have to control everything, that wants to make sure everyone thinks I'm awesome and perfect and wonderful and I can never make a mistake? Do I get to be that Karen or do I get to be fun Karen? I get to choose what, what, who I'm going to be and create my life. You get to choose who you want to be. You get to create yourself. And it's a lot easier when we see who God sees us as. Right. It's a lot easier when we get a picture. That's right. God showed me a picture once years ago in, in a process, because processes are so profound and valuable to breaking through in your life. And in the middle of one of the hardest processes of my life, he showed me this picture of me as a little girl dancing in his hand. And I was like five inches tall, and he's holding his hand out, and I'm in this little dress, and I'm five years old, and, and I'm twirling, and just twirling in this dress, just like Juliet was doing this morning, twirling <laughs> during worship. And I could see Father God's eyes for me, and he was looking at me with nothing but pure adoration. He was looking at me with adoration, and his eyes, in the reflection of his eyes, I could see myself, and I could see how he seed me. And he was just smiling at me, adoring me, and it broke off every bit of fear I had in me at that time. Every bit of, I have to hold on, I have to be perfect, I have to be in control, I have to, to control what people think of me, or I have to control the situation, or I have to be and do and ah, 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 ah. And all of a sudden, I'm just this carefree little girl twirling in his hand. And I'm perfectly accepted and I'm perfectly loved. And he said, this is who you are. Never take your gaze away from me. Never look away. Never look away. Always see, look in my eyes because in my eyes, you'll see the reflection of who you really are. He said, never look away. We look away way too often. And his reflection of who we are, his view of who we are, our true core identity, should never shift away from how God sees us. Should never be any different than how we see us. So anytime I get scared, anytime I get in that rut or in that old self, I just picture myself in God's hand again. And all those fears and all those concerns and all that intimidation drips away and I see myself in his eyes and I know I'm loved just the way I am. And so I decided I'm going to be more honest with who I am. I'm going to stop letting shame and hiddenness control me I'm going to stop hiding, stop wondering what people think of me, if I've offended them, or how they'll judge me if I open up. Because when I open up, I feel clean, I feel known. And sometimes the hardest one to open up to is ourself. Sometimes the hardest one to open up to is God. But when we can get that revelation, it makes you feel so known, and so secure, and so at peace with who you are. And everything feels different. And when you can open up not just to yourself but, and to God, but to others around you, that 
feeling of being known. God created you to be known. He created Adam and Eve in the garden to be known. To be known, that word has such implications. It's not just like, hey, I know you. You're my friend. It could, like in Adam and Eve, it was like they knew each other intimately and they were known by God. It was this, I know every cell in your body. I know every thought you have and every hair on your head and I'm not ashamed of you and I'm not running away. Until they sinned, then what did they do? The first thing they did was make fig leaves to hide, to cover up in shame. And we went from being fully known to hiding in shame. And we still do that in our lives. We have our own fig leaves, and you can call it whatever you want, whatever your icky place is, We've all got fig leaves that we like to hide from the world and hide from God because we believe that lie again that if they really know me, they'll reject me. I won't be loved. So I decided the new Karen doesn't hide anymore and isn't controlled by shame, that isn't afraid of people judging me or not loving me because I'm fully known and loved by God. So instead of being locked up, I can experience and feel love on a deeper level. And actually, it's kind of, I feel like it's kind of like when Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz went to whatever that place is called. Oz. <laughs> Oz. <laughs> Thank you, Ralph. <laughs> when she went to Oz. <laughs> And she goes from this black and white world and suddenly into full color. And being known is kind of like that. You experience life in a whole different way. You go from black and white to color. I realized and in, in processes, like when I would open up and share, and it was so, so much in me. I had such a blueprint of hiding. And, and not sharing and not being open, that it was really easy for me to do that. But when I would take that courage, that massive courage, and say, I'm going to share, and I would feel so known, it was like I could feel emotion on a deeper level. I could see color in a different way. I could have creativity and connect to music and songs on a deeper wavelength because my spirit was alive and open. It's like going from black and white Kansas to the Wizard of Oz full color. Not even just the Wizard of Oz full color, but like HD panoramic <laughs> full color <laughs> that didn't even exist when they had that movie. It's going to touch a plant and it opens up and becomes alive. That's the life God has for us. I had experienced passion on a deeper level, courage on a deeper level. Relationships are deeper when you're transparent and you make yourself known. You're no longer lonely or afraid, but you're truly connected to one another. And so I, I, I want to pray that over you today, and I feel like God is breaking off blueprints, old blueprints in our lives of hiddenness and shame and fear that have, have run our life, sometimes for decades. And if you're willing to take massive action to be known, to have courage to confront any shame or fear in your life, I believe he wants to strip that from us today and bring you into the, wizard, the land of Oz, full color, 
to be fully known and to know that I will not be rejected by God. He loves me just the way I am. And as a body of believers, we love you just the way you are. So maybe we can play some music. I'm just going to begin to pray over you. And if um, the ministry team could come up and be ready, I feel like God is going to do something powerful right now. So don't, please don't slip out. I want to give like 10 minutes to let God speak to our hearts right now because I know many of you are being stirred and I don't want your brain to hijack your breakthrough. So I want you to ask Holy Spirit, what area of your life have you been ashamed of or hidden from others or from God? And what act of courage or boldness do you need to do right now to break out of that? Some of you know you need to make a decision on something. Some of you are ready to throw out these blueprints once and for all and get a new, renewed mind. Let Holy Spirit speak to your heart and uproot that deep root of shame, that icky place in your heart that you haven't wanted to look at, that you haven't even wanted God to look at, but he sees it. He's not surprised and he's not intimidated and he's not scared of you or ashamed of you. So I want you to go to, to allow God, and he's so gentle and soft, allow him to touch that deep place that icky, yucky place. And know that his touch is soft and you can trust him. He will not reject you. And maybe you need to repent to him, to someone else, to yourself. Maybe there's a courageous act he's calling you to do, just like I knew I had to repent to that woman and I didn't want to admit my shame and my mistake, but I knew I have to do the right thing. Maybe there's someone you need to call right now before your brain talks you out of it, before your brain convinces you it'll be too painful and you'll be too ashamed to do, you, you don't need to do that, they're fine, they've moved on, that's what your brain will say. But in the next 10 minutes, maybe some of you need to step out and make a phone call. Maybe you need to turn to someone near you whether there's someone close or just a brother or sister who loves you and share what's in your heart to be known. Maybe that's the act of courage that God is asking you to do, to step out in faith right now. So let's all stand up. He's so excited right now. <laughs> Holy Spirit's so excited for your breakthrough right now. He's so excited for you right now. You're terrified, but he's jumping up and down excited. 
He's like, here we go, guys. It's going to be a roller coaster. It's going to be a roller coaster of fun and fear. And at the end, you're going to be more alive because of it. <laughs> so just put your hand on your heart. Say, God, I repent <laughs> for letting fear and shame run my life, for hiding from you and others. Put your other hand on your head right now. Just say, I command, I speak a new mind. I erase the old blueprint that likes to tell me these lies. And you know what they are. You can even confess them and speak them right out. The lie that I'm this, that I'm that, that I'm never good enough. And I rewire my mind right now. I ask you, Holy Spirit, rewire my mind. <laughs> what is your truth about who I am? <laughs> and now listen to your heart, because your heart will show you. I break off the voice of the old self. I break off the, the afflicting spirits that torment you, that whisper to you all your past mistakes and shame and limitations and failures, all the things wrong with you. I break off now the spirit of fear and intimidation, the spirit of loneliness, control, of hatred. I break off those spirits that whisper to you, you're not good enough, you'll never be good enough, you'll be rejected or hated or unloved or alone. I break off those evil spirits that have been harassing you and I command them to go now. And I speak to your minds and I declare that you are a new creature. You are a new creation and your old self has died. And I command your mind to be rewired now in the fullness of Christ, by the power of Christ that lives in you, that he would rewire your mind to see new and clearly and new color and have new neural pathways. And bring those new thoughts right now, God. They're coming right now, right now, right now. He's flooding your mind and flooding your heart with the truth of who you are, with the truth of your courage, with the truth of your tenacity. And he's changing and rewriting your story. He's rewriting your story from your old self to your new self. And it doesn't change what happened in your life, but it gives you a whole new perspective, a 180 shift. Where you used to be stuck, it becomes your testimony. Where you used to be in bondage, it becomes your victory. Where you used to be a victim, you become an overcomer. And so he's rewriting your story right now. He's rewriting your story of your new self. And your new self is brave and courageous and bold and loving and safe and known. <laughs> what does your new self need to do right now to crucify the old blueprint once and for all? Imagine a time when you were courageous and bold and fully alive and feel who that person is in your being. Feel who that, what that feels like. 
Stand up tall. Imagine that time when you were fully alive, fully courageous. And in that place, from that self, ask that person, what do I need to do to crucify this old blueprint, this old self, to fully eradicate the thinking connected to the old self that's already crucified, that Christ already did the hard work. What, act, what does this new person, what does this, this new self say or do in response to fear and intimidation and shame? Do I hide? What do I need to do right now? <laughs> Let's put on some praise music because I feel like we need to activate this. <laughs> Something a little more live. And I feel like there's, there's an act of courage God is going to drop into your hearts, into each one of you right now. And maybe it's to dance in the aisles. Maybe it's to call a loved one that you need to, to reconcile to. Maybe it's to share with the person next to you or to come up and receive prayer. And the ministry team here is available to you. And I just want to give some instruction um, if you feel like you need to be known, if you feel like you've been hiding shame, you've been, you've been in bondage to something, and you just need to tell someone, you just need to get it out to be known and get breakthrough and freedom in a certain area, the ministry team is here to pray over you. And the ministry team, they're not sharing for you. They're sharing for them for freedom, to get freedom over fear and shame. And I want you to break off the old self, the power of shame, and speak life into who their new self is. This is going to, we can make this a, a prophetic Sunday because we're going to be speaking into your new self. And you can do that with the person next to you. I just want you to lay a hand on the person next to you right now and say, God, <laughs> make them alive again. <laughs> I declare that they are a new creation, that nothing holds them back. <laughs> and I, break, I speak breakthrough over their lives right now to fully take hold of the new self that you've created them to be and break through fear and break through shame and just begin to pray right now over your, the one next to you. For, for that breakthrough. Declare who they really are. What is their new nature? <laughs> Thank you, God. So let's just turn that music up, and there's going to be some acts of courage, boldness. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to find out more of what's happening here at New Hope, please contact newhopecom.org or download additional messages from our podcasts.